0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Hi, my name is Ephraim. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Chapel South London and welcome particularly if you're visiting with us today um, for this which is our Christmas service. It's such a pleasure for us to be here together at this time, um, especially on the occasion of taking this time aside, setting ourselves apart to remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, Christmas is generally so hectic, Christmas is generally very busy, and um, I'm sure that for some of us, we're looking forward to Christmas being over although you're grateful for the time off work. But especially for the ladies among us, I know that Christmas can be a 24-hour day because you're up at the crack of dawn, basting that turkey or that leg of lamb or whatever your particular... Um, I know some of you don't leave the jollof out on, on Christmas Day. Um, and you're the last one standing at the, at the end of the day. And yet still, we recognize that in our busy culture and in our busy lives, so often in our busyness, we can miss destiny. We can miss destiny. Now, they've said that approximately 80 billion pounds is going to be spent this Christmas on the activity of Christmas in the UK. And um, we'd all agree that's a lot of money. And some of you are thinking, you know what, I've got two shopping days left until Christmas and I'm looking to contribute to that $80 before it gets too late. And yet still, as people are running through the shops and running through the streets, so often we can miss destiny. And it was like that at the first Christmas because the first Christmas is such that we see Mary and Joseph, two young Jewish individuals who were going to Bethlehem as a result of a census and Bethlehem was packed. And we'll read the details in a moment, but in that instance and in that season, there were so many who in the busyness of the census and in the busyness of the activity, and they weren't celebrating Christmas then, (laughs) you know, they didn't understand what was going on, and yet they were in a very busy season and in a very busy time, and many of them actually missed destiny. And so today, let's consider the history and destiny of Christmas. Let's consider the history and destiny of Christmas. Now, I was going to share a Bible reading with you and actually allow you to track along with me on the screen. Um, I'll read anyway, and I trust that many of you will have Bibles. And so, um, if you do have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. and he called his name Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer, Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we've just come before you today with great thanksgiving. We recognize that truly you are alive and at work in the world today. We thank you that we're able to be here to consider and reflect on the life of your son and the, the very fact that He is truly God manifest in the flesh and the one who holds the destiny to all people. And so we ask that by your spirit, you would give us ears to hear, that you would cause our hearts to be primed to learn of you, not just for the sake of information, but that we might actually desire you for to know you is to love you and to love you is to do your will thank you for this day in Jesus name Amen we've been here Mary and Joseph and from the outset we see that this is a very clear record of what took place in the life of Mary and Joseph And yet, it's not the full picture. Mary and Joseph had been chosen by God to steward the life of his son into this world. Now, I have two daughters. My oldest is 21 and my youngest 18. And although it was quite some time ago that they were born, I do remember the moment with great clarity. Um, Probably not as well as my wife. Us men give thanks for small mercies. And yet I do remember the moment with great clarity. And so my first daughter was born in about two and a half hours. Um, Labor was really quite prompt. And um, I remember just thinking all of a sudden she's here. Um, obviously, there was some screaming and so on. In, in, well, in fact, you know what? My wife is a lady with great decorum, and she didn't really kind of deal with the screaming too. She, she wasn't really involved in that too much. <laughs> she's looking at me like, maybe your memory's not as good as you, um, you, you, you think it is. Um, but within a couple of hours... All of the expectation had been fulfilled. And our first child was here. And um, it was a different case with my second daughter. I think labor was 23 hours. And it was hard labor. And um, although in the first first time round, I didn't actually um, find myself overwhelmed and emotional and in tears and so on. I was, I mean, I was in awe. This this cute little baby, you know, you kind of look at the fingers and you look at the toes and you think, wow, the wonders of God's creation. The second time, I couldn't see, I couldn't breathe, I was crying, my nose was running, um, there were some complications with with the, um, with the labor and so towards the end, things got really tense and when my second daughter was born, Chloe was born, there was just a great sense of relief that all of the the turmoil and the difficulty and the anticipation had come to a great fulfillment. And so we can imagine that for Mary having her first child, it would have been filled with all kinds of anticipation and it would have been filled with all kinds of expectation, and, you know, who knows how many times she had Braxton Hicks and thought that she was having contractions and thought, this is it, pull over the donkey, because (laughs) how many times? We don't know. And we kind of can quite easily forget the human side of the experience, especially for Mary as a mother, about to have her first child. You know, it was common in those days for women to die in childbirth talk about add to the stress and expectation of the moment and yet she had been given assurance by an angel that things would go well with her and so in view of all of the expectation we see they come to the the, the point of labor And they have the baby. And I say they. (laughs) Us men always like to claim credit for things that we don't do, right? (laughs) Mary had the baby. Joseph was a, a bystander, no doubt. And yet, the drama continued. I mean, they'd already had drama in the announcement. Angelic visitations. I mean, Joseph hears from his wife, Mary. Well, not her, she wasn't his wife at the time. Hears from his, um, his intended Mary that she's expecting a baby and they're not married yet. I mean, we can understand why Joseph fought seriously about breaking off the relationship. And let's understand The breaking off of the relationship would have been a legal and formal process. Because even though at that time they were not married, they were what's called betrothed. We have engagement before marriage, right? Whilst in those days they had betrothal, and betrothal was a binding form of engagement. And so, when it says that Joseph considered to divorce her, well, they weren't married. They had not yet had any kind of physical intimacy in that manner. And yet, they were bound to one another. I saw a a picture this week which really made me um, think hard about that whole tension that Mary and Joseph would have been facing. And I can't show you the picture, I just realized. Okay. But in the book of Numbers, it tells us that if there is a woman who is not married and is known to have been found in intimate relationship with a man, she's to be killed. She's to be killed. And um, Joseph, being aware of this, was not really trying to get rid of Mary because of assumed unfaithfulness. That wasn't his first consideration His first consideration was, how can I spare her the shame and potential consequence of this situation which could be so extreme? And yet, he had an angel visit him and assure him that this is the work of God. And so we see from the outset that Jesus was no ordinary baby from the beginning Jesus was no ordinary baby choirs of angels singing at his birth even though it was in a lowly dirty run down feeding trough some say most likely in a cave We have a picture of a beautiful stable with lovely candles and so on. It would have been dark and dirty and smelly. And so the king of all creation is born in the most lowly of surroundings, visited by the most lowly of people, the shepherds. Shepherds who were regarded as amongst the lowest of the low in society. They were individuals who didn't require much training. They weren't highly skilled like the rabbis and the scribes. They would just sit out in the fields, probably smelly, dirty individuals. There were even rumors of shepherds doing untoward things with their sheep. The shepherds were looked down on. And yet as Jesus came into the world, this great expectation fulfilled, it was in the most lowly of scenarios. And yet Jesus was no ordinary baby. We recognize that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Luke adds this detail, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be great. Now, there have been some births this year. Um, Some of you may recognize this little baby here. (laughs) Anybody recognize that baby? George. I like to call him Royal George. (laughs) Um, Amongst my family growing up, it was a phrase actually I heard very often. It was normally an exclamation of surprise or wonder or just bemusement. And it would normally be followed with the word or phrase "tuh." To Royal George. <laughs> and so this is Royal George. Royal George. And we all can maybe have some appreciation for the frenzy that was around the birth of Royal George. And he is tipped and destined for greatness. Why? Well, it's not necessarily because of anything that he's done or anything that he will do. Who knows what he's going to do? We don't know. Nobody knows. But the family he's born into suggests that he belongs to a line of greatness. There's been another birth. Uh Aha, a little more challenging. Anyone recognize this baby? Some of you younger ones might. There's a clue in that. Who? Blue Ivy, someone said it. This is actually baby Blue Ivy. And um, for those who don't know, Blue Ivy is celebrity royalty born the daughter of um, the business mogul and um, veteran rapper, Jay-Z, and his wife, Beyonce. Now, we, both under- we understand that both of them are at the top of their career and at the top of their game, and um, undoubtedly, there would be great expectations for this baby, Beyonce this week released an album without any promotion or marketing, they say. Number one in almost every country. Unheard of. Not only was the album released without any marketing or promotion, but she's released an album and it's an album full of videos. Every song has a video. And people are in wonder and, and in awe at the way that this lady has just come and smashed the industry with this new move and this outstanding achievement. Many would look at Blue Ivy and say, in all of the talk, destined for greatness. I mean, look at the pedigree. Jay-Z, Beyonce. Well, maybe, maybe not. Who can say? But one thing we do know As we see in Luke 1.32 here, from the outset, it was stated that Jesus will be great. How about you? Are you great? Was that said about you at your birth? I mean, we do that as parents. Oh, this is just the most wonderful child ever. Going to be such I just have such a great life. We have the highest aspirations and hopes for our children, don't we? But can any of us truly say that our child will be great? Well, we can't. And the reality is that none of us can even say that we're great, can we? I mean, all right, let's change the categories. Let's not say great. Let's just ask, are you a good person? Yeah? Okay. Well, you're about to see probably the best Christmas play you will ever see. It's not produced by Carlsberg. You're about to see probably the best Christmas play you're about... you've ever seen. And, And as you watch this play... I want you to consider that question. How would you answer, if challenged, are you a good person? And so I'm going to invite the children to come out and prepare themselves. And after the play, we'll consider... How could it be said of a baby who has achieved nothing yet that they will be great? How can it be said of Jesus born in a dirty feeding trough? I mean, all of us who, by, domestos, by the box load, cringe at the fact that Jesus was born in this disgusting animal trough where animals fed, animals that are walking up and down in their own filth, rolling in muck, coming in to feed in this trough, and yet this is where Jesus was born. And so we'll consider, how could it be said that he would be great? The scripture clearly tells us there is none good, How can Jesus be called great even before he's done or achieved anything? We're not good. Jesus is more than good. He is great as declared by the scriptures. Now, as with the highly anticipated births of Royal George and Blue Ivy, there was a lot of talk, a lot of speculation, a lot of vying for the pictures, And one of the things that we have to appreciate is when we consider Jesus, he's in a league of his own, a category next to no other. Why? (laughs) This will blow your mind. Jesus made history before he was born. Jesus made history before he was born. And this is why the scripture can declare categorically that he is great. I mean, we consider people talking about the births of Royal George and Blue Ivy. People were talking about the birth of Jesus from the beginning of time. This is time that he actually made because John 1.1 1, 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And through him all things were made. And there is nothing that exists that was not made through him. Jesus, the baby in the manger, before time even existed, is the one who brought the world into existence. He created history, the history that he would step into. And it was predicted that this would be so. Right at the beginning, when God made man, he made Adam, And he took a rib from his side and made Eve. And he gave them one commandment. And they broke that commandment. And people want to try and talk about, oh well the fruit was an apple. Not promoting any products out here. (laughs) Or some say the fruit. The fruit isn't specified. The nature of the fruit isn't specified. Apart from that it was a fruit from a tree. So unlike the um, Rastafarians that I would often spend time with, by reason of them being family, the fruit isn't sex. (laughs) Just for clarification, because I know some of you have heard that, that whisper, right? But they broke the command of God. And at that point, sin was introduced into the world. Decay and corruption set in. And in Adam... All that would come from Adam and Eve were tarnished, were corrupted by sin. And at that time, due to the nature of Satan's role as he took inhabitants in a serpent and he tempted Eve, Satan pronounced, and God pronounced a curse upon Satan. But within that, he made a prediction. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this is regarded as the first declaration of the good news of Jesus Christ in scripture. Because at this point, God is promising to bring a deliverer. To bring forth one, to send one who would secure the destiny of all who would believe, delivering them from the power of Satan and sin. And from this point forward, there was an expectation as to who the offspring would be. Who is that individual? Who is that offspring that will reverse the curse? And so, things progressed, and with every generation, there was a looking for and a seeking out who this offspring might be. How many of you have been um, following the mini-series, is it on Channel 5, Channel 4, the Bible? And from the beginning, they've they've taken it from creation, and then they've gone through, and they've shown the time of Abraham, and they've shown, um, even before that, Noah, and Right, I think we're at, right up to Christ now, right? Now, we don't take our gospel truth and our doctrine from the media. We take it from the scriptures. And so we don't consider what they're portraying as being gospel truth. This is how it happened, even though many people look at what is portrayed on the TV in that way. But it's been interesting nonetheless even seeing where they've taken artistic license. And one of the things I had hoped that they might have captured as they've rolled out the story of the Bible is the sense of expectation that existed. The looking for the predicted offspring. And so we saw in the play the children reference Moses and they spoke of Moses being the the lawgiver and spoke of the commandments that God gave to Moses. Moses met with God face to face and he received his legal documentation written by God's own hand personally. And Moses delivered it to Mankind, And God raised up Moses as a deliverer. Some of you would have seen the portrayal of Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. Again, it was hollywood fired, but we understand that actually the scripture is not embellished. And the scripture is not made up but it's a historical record of what happened. And God raised Moses up as a deliverer, but he was an example, or if you like, a prototype of Jesus. And there were things that Moses experienced that in some ways were similar to Jesus' experience. So we understand that when Moses was born, there was the slaughter of thousands of innocent children just as there was at Jesus' birth because Satan recognized there was going to be an offspring and he didn't know who it was going to be. And so he tried to wipe him out before he could become established and fulfill his purpose. And yet, Moses gave the law and Jesus stood up and the Book of John he said that one who is greater than the law is here, speaking of himself, because the law given was his, and he's the only one able to keep it. And yet Moses speak of, spoke about Jesus and predicted his coming and predicted the fact that he would come a prophet like him and yet greater. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. And so Jesus was talked about for centuries. And this is one of the reasons why we know and understand that truly he is great. In the statements we looked at earlier, we see three things being stated about Jesus that should inspire you, should motivate, furthermore should compel you to submit to him as Lord and put your trust in him. That you would submit to him and trust him with your very life. We see that God reveals whose. The son is. Who does he belong to? So people look at Beyonce and Jay-Z and expect great things because Blue Ivy is their child and they're great people, right? In the eyes of the world. People look at Prince William and Kate and born into a royal family. Royal George, can't go wrong. Path is set before him. Well, we see that Jesus is the Son of the Most High. We also see in those statements the fact that it is revealed who Jesus is. When a baby is born, it's hard to recognize a personality initially, and yet they don't have to get very big For us to be able to begin to see their own kind of personal traits and their qualities. And I was saying to someone the other day, when I think back to my girls when they were younger, I could see the acorn of their personality that has blossomed into maturity now. And I still see traits in them now that I could recognize when they were toddlers, Even 700 years before Jesus' birth, it would be declared who he would be. Some people put a lot of stock in names. And sometimes it's kind of uncanny how people kind of live up to their names. My name means doubly fruitful. It does, Ephraim, doubly fruitful. And I would say that I've been doubly fruitful. I have two daughters, an apple for each eye, I like to say. (laughs) That's kind of hit and miss, though. But when it came to Jesus, there was no miss whatsoever. He completely fulfilled and became the person that he was predicted to be 700 years before as a man. Now, there's a deeper and more meaningful reason for this, but we'll come on to that. We're also told 700 years before his birth what he would accomplish, what he would do. Now, I don't know if you appreciate that this is an absolute impossibility. There were many things predicted about Jesus in his coming, many things predicted about his birth, where he would be born, for example, so Micah 5.2 speaks of the, the, the household of David, the scepter of the household of David coming forth from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem as a Baby in the womb, he had no influence over that, at least from a human point of view. And yet God the Father in his sovereignty was orchestrating all that was taking place at that time, orchestrating the Roman census that would result in Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And yet we see the scripture goes on to predict that Jesus would save his people from their sins. That's a great feat. That's a great achievement because the reality is we can't even save ourselves. And yet this prediction being made 700 years before was fulfilled completely and perfectly in Jesus Christ our great saviour. Because he didn't stay a baby and he didn't stay in a manger and he didn't remain a toddler but he grew. And as he grew, he demonstrated a supernatural wisdom that gained him favour with those around him. And in his junior years, he was sitting in the temple reasoning with the officials there and astounding them with the questions that he would ask. And yet, some years later, at around the age of 30, we see Jesus enter into public ministry. And John the Baptist declared, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And you know what that means? That means that he holds the destiny of every single one of us here. He holds your destiny in his hands. Because he is the only means of salvation. His name is the only name that is given among men by which anyone can be saved. And this is why Jesus was no ordinary baby. And this is why Jesus was declared to be great even before he was born. He who made history before he was born stepped into history, even in the form of a baby, taking on the likeness of sinful man in order to redeem. And we appreciate that Jesus Christ, God with us, is he who saves. And as we come together with our families at Christmas, how can we ignore the meaning and the truth of what it represents? People can take Christmas to mean whatever they want. Often they do. These days they say um, Christmas should be redefined, and, and they should call it Clickmas. You not heard that one, no? Clickmas, because so much shopping is done online. We see these things going on but every individual is called to give an account for our own lives to God. And so regardless of what people want to make of Christmas, regardless of what people want to say about Jesus, what do you say? When you consider your destiny in the light of his history, what do you say about Jesus? Do you declare him as your Lord and your Savior? Jesus came and he said, if anyone comes to me, I will not turn them away. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down, you're weighed down, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. In the busyness of Christmas, don't miss your destiny. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And only those who believe upon him, having repented of sin, are considered to be his people. Yes, God made all of us, but that doesn't mean that we all have a relationship with God. We live in a generation of unfathered children. And we we appreciate that, you know what, having a child doesn't make you a dad. And when Adam sinned in the garden, he handed over custody. The Bible says that Satan is the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And all who are not in Christ are under his dominion and under his authority. And so Jesus stands arms open wide to invite you to come to repent and believe. And that's the challenge that I leave you with today. Don't miss your destiny in the busyness of Christmas. Consider Christ's history talked about throughout the ages. He existed before the worlds were formed and yet stepped into time to give his life as a sacrifice for you. The only one qualified to do so, he is the predicted offspring of Genesis 3.15, the great deliverer. Will you trust in him? I'm going to invite the team to come back as we prepare to sing our last song and um, as they do I'd like to pray Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father I come before you and thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness toward us that you would send your son the eternal son to become a man he who was There in the beginning, fully God, became fully man, that he might be a satisfactory sacrifice, a sacrifice accepted in your sight. And Lord, my prayer today is that there is none here Not one person who would miss their destiny. The destiny that you hold in your hand because they refuse Christ. There is none good. No, not one. And yet, Lord, we appreciate that you are faithful and you are good and you have provided a sacrifice as we saw prefigured with Abraham you provided a sacrifice for yourself that we might be saved by you and from you and for your glory continue to have your way in our hearts, Lord, as we celebrate the history and destiny that is found in Christmas as you truly intended, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, in Jesus' name. Amen.